Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Hello, welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week I wanted to talk about what do you do when your real estate is appreciated a lot or you've paid down a lot of it. Um, this episode is actually going to be just me, which will be like a refresher for me, but um, I have I haven't, I haven't done an episode by myself in quite a while, and I I don't know, I just had this, this, this crunch in my body about what I've been doing my, myself, and I wanted to just sort of pass it on to, I was at a lot of real estate meetups lately, and it was raising a lot of questions what I was doing with my portfolio when I started to mention what I was doing. So I thought, you know what? So this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to give sort of an example of how it's been working for me, and in and in my Ontario real estate, and then we'll just sort of from there talk about where it, where it's going and what my, my personal plan is with my real estate that I'm doing myself. So, for instance, I'm I just sold a property in Preston, Ontario, which is part of Cambridge. It's just a it's, it, Cambridge is a tri city basically that's part of a tri city with Kitchener Waterloo. Anyway, um, I have a property, and the purchase price on the property was around. Well, actually, mine it was exactly two hundred thousand uh, dollars. So that requires for a twenty percent down payment about forty thousand uh, dollars, a mortgage of six to seven hundred dollars a month, because I got it back when there was really good interest rates. The property cash flowed well, and it was doing really well until we put a refinance on it about a year ago, and that it made me think and question a lot of things that was going on with what the real estate was doing here in Cambridge. Okay, so I'm going to break this down quickly to the way I look at a real estate deal and whether I would even buy what I currently own. Cash flow on the property, we'll say, is approximately $500. We're going to do nice round numbers, even though some of them are exact numbers. So $500 a month times 12 months, that's $6,000 a year. Everyone's with me so far. $6,000 a year, if I'm putting a $40,000 down deposit on the property, that's about a 15% return every year. And, you know, everyone back when I bought this, I was like, this is, this is a great deal. This is great. Everything is awesome with this property. And the only problem is that it appreciated a lot. The property went up in value a ton. And people go, well, that's great. That's great. It is great. But when you look at your return on equity, it actually hurts your numbers. Let me let me give you an example. The property now is worth, say, let's just go with nice, easy numbers, even like $350,000. Let's just put, some, put a number out there for what it's worth now. Everything here in Cambridge has went up at least $100,000. So if I want to do the math on this based on return on equity instead of return on investment, return on equity off the start of the property is exactly the same as return on equity because the equity you have in the property is your down payment which is what I use to calculate my ROI. Also, I noticed that some people will be going, well, you're not including appreciation in any of your investments. And I don't. I don't include appreciation in any of my investments. I think that appreciation is icing on the cake. I know that some people will include a 6% or an 8% appreciation for Canada or for, I'm sorry, actually for Cambridge. And I think that's ridiculous to continue to see that forever. So I think of it as icing on the cake. I don't think that you should include it in your investment criteria because the property should cash flow and make sense without the appreciation. 
because if you don't get appreciation, you still need this property to make sense. The original ROI should be the same because we're just doing, hey, what, how much cash flow is there every month? How much did I put in? And now we're looking at how much money is in the property and how much uh, do I make in cash flow every month? So I, I did a refinance on this property. We're gonna just pretend that didn't happen. So we're gonna go with the original numbers. So the original numbers on this property was making about $500 a month. If we're gonna go and figure out the return on equity, first we gotta figure out how much equity is in the property. So if the property's worth $350,000 now, I bought it for $200,000, there's $150,000 in the property in equity. On top of that, there's a down payment of $40,000 that I put into the property when I bought it. So technically there's 190,000. We're not even gonna count, we're gonna keep it simple. So we're not gonna count all the mortgage pay down that's happened over the last, I don't know, five years that I've owned this property. But let's go with this. So we're basically, we're back to the return on investment. I was, in my numbers, was estimating a nice average number of $600 for mortgage. I know it's probably just a little bit more than that. Before the mortgage rolls changed, I could get a really good interest rate at that rate. If you're doing a cash on cash return, the cash on cash does not, it's, it's what a cash on cash return is, is it's saying what kind of return would you earn on this property if you bought it completely in cash and you weren't doing anything to do with uh, financing on this property. So $600 mortgage is what we're gonna estimate it at. Uh, $500 a month in cash flow, so that's $1,100. We're gonna multiply that by 12 to get an annualized return on how much money this could make on per year. So we're gonna divide that number by the purchase price because we're doing a cash on cash return. So that is gonna return a cash on cash return of 3.7%. I probably should have mentioned this off the start because I've kind of been jumping all over the place, but when I originally did the original cash on cash return, it was a 6.6% because the same numbers. So the 500 plus the 600 times 12 divided by 200,000. So it was still, this doesn't meet my deal criteria at this point in my life. A lot of people would jump at this deal right now because it's gonna make $500 a month and it's only a $40,000 down deposit, which is 15% return. But the, the cash on cash is actually not that well. And that's one of the numbers that I really look at now when I'm doing my, my numbers, which I was more focused on the ROI whenever I bought this property five years ago. So to jump back to the now part, the, the now part is gonna return the 3.7% with the cash on cash return. And you go, well, that's not very good because we're counting the equity in the property. So the reason this, this number is so bad is because we're counting $150,000 of equity that's in the property, how much it's appreciated. And that, if people go, well, you don't count that. You don't do return on equity. That's not how you calculate a thing. But look at it. Look at the number. Look, you have $150,000 in the property. Whether you take it out or not, it's in that property. If someone else wanted to buy that property, they're going to buy it for $350,000. And if you're not going to think about the money that's in that property as money that you can use, I don't know. I think, I think you're just throwing money away. I personally can earn more money than what the interest rate is that the bank's going to charge me. Like, what's the bank going to charge me for a line of credit to pull this money out? 
three and a half, four percent. What I don't know. It depends what your credit rating is. But no matter what that is, I can beat that. I'm making investments where I'm looking at twenty percent. That's what I want to hit, at least. And why, why, why would you keep all this money in your real estate if you can make a large return, a much larger return? It, it, if you break it down to be like super simple, would you take my or pay someone money uh, at like three and a half percent to earn twenty percent or thirty percent on it? Why wouldn't you? I, I I don't know. I know a lot of people are scared of debt, but I, I think of this as you know we'll go back to the Robert Kiyosaki thing, and this is good debt. This is this is debt that's making you a lot of money. Why why wouldn't you leverage your own money to make more money? Okay, so let's continue. So now you we we've broken down. You have this punch of money that's in your property. What do you do? What how do you get this money out of your property? How do you make more money with this money? What's what's your next step? And there isn't a right answer. I think that any answer is the right answer because you're going to be making more money than you're paying for the money. First step, what I like to do with my properties, number one step is, okay, I have this equity in the property. What do I do? HELOC, home equity line of credit. That is my favorite thing because I don't have to change the financing on the property. I can go to the bank. I can keep my financing. If I've locked this in for five years or so, back a bunch of years ago before even a year ago before the interest rates went up i don't want to mess with my financing and this is a way that i can basically add it's kind of like a second onto the mortgage but it's not i'm not paying on it every month if i don't use it it's, it's only i pay what i use so it, it's a great tool and it's a great product so what's the fees to set up a home equity line of credit mostly the, the big fee for setting this up is just going to be an again appraisal done which is not that expensive. I think depending on the bank you're talking between three and four hundred dollars. People, three hundred, four hundred dollars is nothing because you get access to a large amount of money that you can make a lot of money on every month. It's a write-off too. This is on your taxes. This appraisal can be written off. Don't worry about it. Number two, a home equity loan. That way a home equity line works is they're just gonna give you a chunk of money that is the equity in the property, usually 80% of the equity. You have to keep 20% in the property. You're going to pay interest even if you're not using it. It can work very well if you already have an active line of credit, which I do because I'm already borrowing from other properties to buy more properties. So you could, if you had extra amounts that you're not using and you're stuck in this loan, you wouldn't keep it in a bank account. You want to transfer that over to the HELOC and pay that one down until you need it. You just don't want stagnant money. You want money moving all the time. Number three, if you can't uh get a home equity line of credit you can't get a home equity loan refi number number three is my next step refinance the property so to refinance the property uh you're gonna have to get new financing which is brutal because i i don't want to give up my two percent interest rate to go to a three and a half here in ontario but compared to american interest rates I, I you know that I'm the Canadian investing in the US, but that's still a really good interest rate to be dealing with. If you can't, if you're having trouble with refinancing or home equity line of credit, which are my two big number ones and number twos, what about selling the property? And that's what I just did. I went and sold a property in Preston, which I was mentioning off the start when I was crunching the numbers. So if you have a property that you can't get, like we were mentioning, you can't get all the money out of it. And because 
that your return on equity is going to make it at a really low rate, it's a point to sell it. it it's time to sell the property. The property makes really good cash flow if you base it on your what you put in when you originally bought it. But there's so much potential in the property that even though it is a good property and out of all the properties I own has the best tenants. This property is flawless. They pay on the first every month. There is like one small maintenance issue per year where it's just the smallest little thing where you can go and fix it in 10 minutes. I, I manage my ones in Canada myself. And this is the property that I'm going to let go because the potential that's in it. And another note on that is that will make your cash flow go down by pulling all the money out. And as long as you're taking that money to buy more investment properties, it is a good investment. But if you use that money for things besides that, it is a bad investment. But I think that's the end of my, I don't know, 15 or 20 minute rant about uh, getting rid of the equity. I guess I could mention there's a 1031 exchange if the American, if the property is American, but uh, it's difficult even as as a Canadian, so I'm just not even going to touch that. Basically, get the money out of your properties. If it's even $50,000, if you can earn more than the 3% that the bank is going to charge you, do it. We're, we're in an upswing right now. The appreciation is really high right now. This is the time where you can get the most on your, actually, maybe last year. But this is the time when you can get the most on an appraisal and you can get that the money out of your property but anyway i'm i'm on a wicked rant i love and cherish everyone who listens to the podcast youtube channel stitcher or soon to be google play and i really want to add content if you have anything you want me to deep dive into send me an email glenn at glensutherland.com next week on the show i have a guest who's going to show how you can do things to yourself just by using different channels and different search engines in order to make yourself uh, more out there in order to attract more people to you, to find, to be able to grow your real estate business. Uh, the week after that, I have Jay Massey on from Cashflow Diary podcast. Uh, he's going to talk about short-term rentals. And in all honesty, after having the interview with him, I, I am like, Torn. I, I'm. I, I'm pretty sure that my 2019 goal is I'm going to go buy some short-term rentals because the numbers and the state, just the whole premise behind everything. I can't stop talking about the short-term rentals. And if anyone wants to like get on a phone and tell me the inside scoop of more about short-term rentals, I would love to get on the phone and just the more people I have to talk to, the better. And the following week after that, I have my property manager from Huntsville, Alabama coming on. And it is not going to be a, a podcast where we were just like, oh, hey, what, what, how do you screen your tenants and how do you do the, the typical property management stuff? No, what I want to talk about with them is how to use your property management to do a renovation. What? Yes, you can use your property manager to do renovations, depending on the property manager and what they're capable to do. But this property manager will take a property that's in distress and work with a, in a triangle between you and the, 
the current property manager and a contractor to work out all the services that need to be done. And they can overview the contractor and everything works amazing. So I want to deep dive that in, I think it says three weeks from now. If anyone has a topic they want me to dive into, I will find a guest that does it and we'll get them on the show. And I'm just trying to make the best show I could possibly make. And at this point, I don't have affiliate links. I don't have any sponsorship. So it's all me just giving to you. Join me next week for another episode of a Canadian investing in the U.S. Thanks for your time, guys. All right, bye.